When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, gone. Oh, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Welcome to a Monday edition of A's Cast Live. It's absolutely beautiful here at the Oakland Coliseum as we get you ready for a three-game set against the Halos. I apologize. I forgot the Rally Monkey. I can't. We'll have to wait for post-game show to pull the Rally Monkey doll out and rip on that all day long. But our good friend Mark Gubazaw is going to stop by, the former World Series champion and all-star for the Kansas City Royals, now does TV for the Angels. Always been so kind to come down here on our set. He'll be here at 4.15 and the general manager at 5 o'clock. But right now it's time to talk a little pitching with one of the greatest Arizona basketball players in the history of the great state of Arizona in the Valley of the Sun, Scott Emerson, Mr. Arizona Basketball back in the day. Uh, how are you? Well, that's not true. but uh, You were all... I was a good basketball player. but Sun uh, Conference. I was, all-state. I was an all-state player, but Mike Bibby went to my high school and shattered everything. So uh, the great Mike Bibby... Uh, national champion in national 1995 champion, with the yeah. uh, Arizona Wildcats. Went back to my high school, won eight state, uh, eight state championships, I believe, in, as a coach, and he probably should be out there somewhere coaching. Now, the question would be, in your career, did you have a chance to go to the next level to play high school, ba- I mean, to play college basketball? Yeah, I talked to a lot of colleges about, uh, you know, basketball. Probably Loyola, Marymount, uh, Texas Wesleyan, or excuse me, UTEP at the time. Uh, we're kind of big on my list to go play there. Loyal Marymount ran our offense, and or we actually ran their offense. So uh, I was very familiar with those guys. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I didn't pursue it as much as I probably should have or really, really wanted to because I wanted to be a baseball player. But uh, at some point in time, I got drafted by the Padres in 1990. That tells you my age. And, uh, you know, I thought about, okay, sign with the Padres and then go play college basketball. 90 was your senior year? 90 was my senior year. I am the mighty, mighty class of 90. Hey, there you go. So, you know, when I the reason why I ask is because something that we have lost, unfortunately, a lot in our sport is guys like from our era, we were encouraged football, basketball, baseball, track, whatever, play multiple sports. And I just wonder how much 
you know, obviously the success you had in basketball, how much did that help you in baseball, which now even helps you today as the teacher that you are? Well, I, I think what you're seeing nowadays is you're, you're, you know, obviously everybody's specializing in one sport, but, you know, uh, sports, other sports can help baseball players. You know, for me, it was basketball, footwork, being able to move around the court, being able to stay in front of your man on defense, being able to try to get around the, the guy defending you. And, uh, you know, I, I look at soccer players, I look at hockey players, how, how balanced they are and, and how well conditioned they are. My high school basketball coach, Jerry Connors, is the Hall of Fame basketball coach in Arizona, and we ran a lot. I mean, we would practice for three hours, and the first hour and a half was without a basketball. So he really trained our cardiovascular, our stamina, and our legs, and and our ability to move. And uh, you know, nowadays you got you know you're you're just a pitcher. Uh, you don't you get to learn to hit, and this is what you are. You know, I I'd like to see guys play multiple sports. I think it helps out for baseball being an athlete. Yeah, a lot of coaches would always say, if we get beat, we're not going to get beat because we can't hustle. We're going to be in shape. We're going to hustle. If they're going to beat us, they're going to. They're not running us off the floor. A hundred percent. I mean, we we full court pressed. We uh, we ran and gun. I mean, we, we we try to throw up as many shots as we possibly can. Maybe that's why I scored some points in high school. But uh, you know, my high school basketball team they created a, a system like Loyola Marymount, and uh, they went out and and try to put up as many points as they could. And when Mike Bibby was the head coach, they were the only public school to play at the Geico National Championships. So they did a great job for a long time in basketball. So today I want to talk about the fastball up in the zone because right now the old man is back. Justin Verlander, I don't know how much video you've been able to see, but lately Verlander is back to the 97-99. It's his highest velocity since his height there in that 2007 time. Think about that, 2007. We're in 2022. And Verlander being able to throw 97 to 99, what is it about the high fastball that guy struggles so much against right now. We know launch angle, but the high fastball in vogue. Well, if, if you got high spin rate, something around 24 to, to 2,800, that ball doesn't appear to sink. You know, every, obviously every ball's moving down because you're on a 10-inch elevated surface on the mound, and you got some finish out in and front. And there's gravity. Yeah, and there's gravity, always the Magnus Force and all. We can get into that later, but it's always pushing the ball down. But the guys who create really good backspin on the baseball, that gravity and that Magnus Force, the Magnus Force kind of keeps it up in the air, and the gravity's trying to push it down. So, you know, it's it's just when you have a higher spin rate fastball, that ball is able to play a little bit better at the top of the strike zone, just like a lower spin rate. If you look at, uh, you know, two-seam fastball guys, you want that sinker to be around 1,900 or less, and it's loose rotation, and that gravity keeps pushing that baseball to the bottom of the strike zone. So, you know, when I'm looking at spin rate, you know, you, you start looking at 21 to 2,300, and that's kind of, for me, middle of the plate across the strike zone. I want guys to either be below 2,100 or above 2,400. The guys above 24, we can get some elevation up top, and I also look at drop, you know, 16 inches of vertical drop is generally what uh, is major league average. So if their ball drops more than 16 inches, then then you know maybe they don't play it up at the top of the strike zone as much. You have to look at the hitters who just chase velo. So, you know, we got plenty of guys that have thrown 92, 93 that can still beat guys up top because their their ball appears not to drop. I was trying to get a ball out of my bag, but I don't have one. So when it comes out of your fingers 
and the ball's coming out of your fingers like this. You have well, a that, ball that's, on you? That's why I'm always prepared with a baseball. So tell us, like, 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 okay, why is Verlander, why is his spinning so much more than the, the, the average guy? Well, he's, pro- he's behind the baseball. He's center cut of the ball, and that ball is rotating straight back. He's probably, his spin axis is around 12 or 1 o'clock which means that the ball's not bouncing, the ball's not wobbly, and it's just back spinning, right? So if you get a two-seamer, sometimes when it comes off your, your last finger, now you're creating some looser spin because of the, the two seams are wide open, and this ball starts to wobble a little bit, and gravity's starting to push this thing down where the Magnus force is helping a four-seamer stay up top. As you can see, that tight spin right here, People at home may not be able to see this as good, but that type spin cuts through the air currents and Magnus force is keeping the flow up longer where when the ball is loose and got loose rotation, the gravity's hitting the seams and kind of knocking it down a little bit more. So that's why, you know, you can now, you know, it's easier to quantify. The the one thing that we got to remember, though, is like, when I was in the eighth grade and I get ahead of a hitter, my dad would yell, give him the dreaded high hard one. You know, Bob Gibson, those type of guys, Steve Carlton, they had nasty sliders, but they also had real tight, probably, I'm assuming they had real tight elevated uh, spin on their fastball and they were able to keep their fastball up. So now they got the hitter looking in two spots. They got him looking up for an elevated fastball and they got him looking down in the dirt for a wrap breaking ball. And that's what, you know, helps you get swing and miss. You got hitters looking in two different areas of the plate and you can go to one area or the other and keep them off balance. Uh, Sandy Koufax was a genius at that. I mean, that high fastball at 97 and 99, very Verlander-like, but he didn't have the height, so it wasn't coming. You know, it's amazing how tall Verlander is, but then you had Sandy Koufax with the big curveball working both, you know, both ends of the well, strike zone. you know, now that's called tunneling. So, so uh, Koufax's his ball came out kind of up at the top of the zone, probably yeah. stayed true and rolled it out. And then that curveball came in the same same spot. I used to call it tree branching. You know, it looked like the tree, the the, the bark of the tree, and then the, the pitches start branching off. That's yeah. how I used to say it, you know, seven, eight years ago before the, the word tunneling came out. How can you uh, tree branch? Where does your ball start to deviate? So the, the elevated fastball, it deviates and it just stays true. And then the curveball deviates, and then all of a sudden, that's where you get the bottom fell out of it or it drops off the table. It just comes out and bottoms out. Can you teach extension? And releasing it, like extending out more to get more spin? Well, you know, for me, when when you look at deliveries and and pitching mechanics, you know, you're always going to extend your arm to throw a baseball. But it's your trunk. If your trunk is moving forward, you stay behind the ball longer. If your trunk starts moving to the side, now your hand generally either flattens out. Some guys go to the side. If you look at two guys in particular for our, our pitching staff, Acevedo rotates to the side, his arm goes to the side. Uh, uh, Zach Jackson rotates to the side, his arm goes up. So, uh, you know, they, they're two different style of pitchers, kind of both both rotating their trunks probably a little bit more than you'd really like, but they're very effective at what they do because they can keep their hand in that strike zone uh, long enough to throw strikes. So, you know, everybody moves differently, and, uh, you know, that's part of my job is to, you know, take the data and uh, quantify the numbers of how, you know, every breaking ball is not the same, even if the numbers say they're the same, because one guy's throwing it from here and another guy's throwing it from here. The appearance, the shape are not the same. 
because this guy maybe exposed the ball more to the hitter where this guy didn't expose the ball to the hitter, and they're still coming out of the same height release, the same horizontal release, and they have the same height and horizontal movement uh, patterns, but one's from over here and one's from up here. The look to the hitter, the shape to the hitter will not be the same. And there's something about that elevated fastball that hitters just cannot they just cannot stop from wanting to swing at it. There's something about having it more appeasing to the eye. Even though they can't hit it, their eyes tell them, go for it. Well, it, it, it's up. You know, it, It's right there. It's in their sight. It's not changing planes as much. You know, there, There's some data out there that if pitchers have a height release below the hitter's eyes, it can help create a little bit more swing and miss. But when, when the ball is above the, the hitter's eyes, it stays in that one plane, and I call it the temptation ball. There it is, there it is, there yeah. it is. And they go for it. And, you know, obviously some hit it and some don't. But, uh, you know, always for the pitcher, uh, if you look at the statistics, you know, we used to say three out of ten for hitters is a Hall of Famer. And now uh, the batting average has gone down. But, what's you know, what's gone down, the batting average has may gone, gone down. But, you know, hard contact and run production has gone up because – you know, a homer is a run, where a hit is not a run yet. So we always appreciate your time talking pitching here, and, of course, we've created your own podcast. I know you only have so much time, but, you know, when you go into a series like this and you look at, let's just say, Trout's healthy, Otani, let's say Rendon, what's it like in the pitcher's meeting with the catchers when you're talking about going going up against some of the best offensive forces in the game? Well, you know, our, our guys fear no one, respect everyone. They go out there, they stick to their game plan. They know if they execute the right pitch at the right time that they have the advantage. And that's is something that, that you're always trying to, to work out in the bullpen is execute your pitch right here. And then we'll throw in the data and we'll throw in the scouting reports and all the analytics and, and tell you what are the best pitches to execute to this guy in certain counts, in certain times. You know, some are more first pitch swingers and they do more damage on the first pitch. Some do damage later in the count. Some hit breakers better later in the count than they do early in the count. So we get all the data. We know that. So, you know, for us to gain the advantage is, you know, doing enough homework to understand what pitch we throw at the right time and we execute that pitch. Most of the time, you know, uh, our guys and all major league pitchers get hurt when they don't execute their pitch. They're trying to go away and the ball leaked back to the middle of the plate or they're, they're trying to throw a breaker down and they throw it middle of the plate. So obviously middle of the plate, uh, even though middle of the plate, if you look at it analytically, is still not a, not a bad spot to go, but you can't constantly live close to the middle of the plate with good major league hitters. I think about Kirby Sneed and Shohei Otani where Murph was way outside and the ball was just not in. It was way in on that breaking ball, and he still, down at the big A, knocked it out. So missing your target, location, 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 whether you're buying a house or you're pitching, location is so key. And some of these guys are so special. That was a ball that he hit out. Like, you would not recommend swinging at that as a hitting coach, but yet he still knocked it out of the ballpark. Yeah, real estate, right? Uh, you know, uh, Shohei is a good hitter. Uh you don't, you don't know if he's sitting on a certain speed or on a certain pitch because, you know, you don't know the mentality of him at that uh, present time. But uh, that ball was well in, and he kept his hands inside the baseball. Probably, I, we looked at it, probably 10 inches inside, and uh, he still got the barrel to it, you know. And if, you, if you're just, you know, keen on barreling up a pitch and you get something slower, and that, that's why I, I – 
you know, still tell our guys, you know, having the ability to throw a fastball where you want it helps set up other pitches. Not saying that you have to throw a lot of fastballs, but when you throw it, you need to throw it to its intended target and you need to stick it to that intended target. And if Shohei's looking for a breaking ball and he gets one and he swings, he's got a little bit more of an advantage. What did you, we'll end on this. What did you uh, average your senior year? Hoops. I think it was 22-9. I mean, did you pass? Did you get other people involved? Or were you just, I mean, hey, man. you're Michael Jordan and you're shooting every single time down the floor. Hey, I, I saw I saw where Kobe Bryant said, uh, you know, I live in the gym in the morning. I live in the gym at night. And if my teammates came, this is what this is Kobe Bryant speaking. Kobe Bryant said I, I had teammates come uh, 10 minutes before practice and left 10 minutes after practice. Why would I pass them the ball? I don't trust them for their work. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I actually hey, saw Kobe that. didn't give up the ride. You yeah, Kobe, I, I, Kobe was never going to be a lead leaguer and assist. We could do. We I, that. I, I saw that the other day, so uh, I love that. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I enjoyed passing. You know, I, I played one, two, or three. You know, point guard, shooting guard, some small forward. I love dealing the rock. I love setting up my teammates for shots. Uh, you know, my, my thing was get to the line as many times as I can and get some of those points. But, uh, you know, I try to get, get some points, and I try to dish out some points. And, uh, you know, five or six uh, assists a game were, were, were fun for me. The great Scott Emerson right here, your pitching coach of the Oakland Athletics. Thank you, and we'll see you next homestand. Thanks for having me. We've got three games left in this homestand. And coming up next, it's an all-star. The World Series champion, the great Mark Gubazal, will join us right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, whenever the Angels come to town, we got to have the World Series champion and the all-star Mark Gubazad join us here. Of course, does TV for the Angels. And congratulations, a new grandpa twins. Yeah, Chris, first time grandpa twins. I, you know, I don't mess around as usual. I'm always a pitcher of two for the price of one. You know, ground ball, double play, I go with twins right away. By the way, I see Stephen Vogt over there. I can see myself going, I believe in Stephen Vogt. I believe in Stephen Vogt. I love it. I t- yeah. So what is it like now being a grandpa? You know what? It, it's so much fun. Uh, it's just, now they're getting to the point now they're, a little, they're almost two months old. And when you walk in there to kind of recognize somebody, you know, yeah. they've seen a familiar face. My, my wife was down there with them today, as a matter of fact, and they had the biggest smile and they were moving around. So they recognize her being around there all the time. So it's it's so cool. It's so cool to see them. They're growing, and, you know, each day. And you almost forget when you're there every day. It's a little different when it's your own child. But as, as a grandparent going in there, you see them every two, three days. I'm like, wow, they're growing quickly. Yeah, it's it's uh, congratulations. It's an amazing feeling, and um, for you, it's going to be a very uh, let's say busy off season. You're going to do a lot of babysitting. Yeah, well, I can't wait for doing that. I, you know, I can't wait for you know all the holidays. I'll be going crazy. I'm already trying to figure out a way to be able to sneak in and buy my you know a couple of Halloween outfits for him. But I'm sure I'm not going to get the final say in that one. Then 
going to Disneyland for Christmas time and stuff. I can't wait for all that stuff. Yeah, us and baseball, our time is the fall, is the winter. That's when we can yep. do a lot of stuff. People don't realize, you know, it's, it's always like, hey, we're going to Tahoe. You want to? No, I can't. <laughs> hey, we're doing a golf trip. To- yeah, I can't go. Yeah, no, and I believe me, I've heard that now since 1981 or so. Like, we never have any summers. I'm like, that's okay. We have five or six months off period. Not many people could say they have that. So, you know, you enjoy the winter, enjoy the fall, but uh, I love baseball, so it's fun during the summer. You know, one thing that it, it's tough, like, you look at the A's, we knew we were going to be bad, right? So this, you know, all the numbers that I have are not, all this stuff's not a shocker. I remember we were talking to you. I mean, we're like, hey, Otani, Trout in the playoffs. This could be – I mean, that's what this team was trending to at one point and to where the Angels now are talking about could be one of the worst records, if not the worst record in, in Angels history. Just what has that been like from when we were talking about how good things were to where we are now? Yeah, I mean, when leaving town here last time, the Angels were 24-13. and 13. The talk of baseball, really, because you have Shoei yeah. Otani, mentioned Trout, Anthony Rendon was back completely healthy. The pitching staff, you know, Noah Syndergaard and Michael Lorenzen were doing a great job, and Patrick Sandoval. I mean, this this and everything was going well. You had Reed Dempers had thrown a no-hitter early in the season, then boom. And, and I've been asked why. Part of it is, is you know, obviously having Anthony Radone down with his wrist injury and, and Mike Trout being out, but still you, you didn't anticipate this. Uh, you know, this, the starting pitching overall has been pretty solid, you know, and – this the bottom of the lineup is struggle because guys are playing in different you know different roles and I think that's the reason why not enough offense they were the, at the beginning part of the season you look at their numbers top and on base percentage slugging percentage you know OPS scoring runs home runs running the bases effectively and then all of a sudden it just it just stopped I mean as much as you always think you always have a chance to win with pitching and it's been they've been in games because of that, a lot of them but uh, you need to score some runs especially when you play in the American League. Yeah, and you think about Joe Madden when he was getting the job and coming back, and it was kind of like linking to the Mike Sosha era when the team was so successful for so long, and Joe going to Tampa, then to Chicago, winning the World Series, you know, going to come back, kind of be the savior. And we always like the quotes and talking to him. He's such a good guy. Uh, are you just shocked the way it all turned out with Joe, man? I mean, it was it was his dream job. He's been in the organization with over 30 years. Always wanted that opportunity to be the manager. And for him, to, when he first came aboard, it was obviously 2020 was a difficult season for everybody. And then 2021, still not quite, you know, the fans being there to, to build that kind of energy. He, he brings that. I mean, he's a perfect guy to get everything out of you as far as a player but a lot of that revolves around the fans being involved in there too so it was a tough process for him he was around the players more the team was off to that great start you're thinking okay this team has a a chance and and when you get to the postseason it's you know you look at the Atlanta Braves last year nobody picked them to win the World Series you know you have other teams with winning records and, and incredible records but they you know once the postseason starts you just never know and then now I think about this offseason, now the trial balloons have been thrown out about Otani. I, I think it's crazy. Just I think from a business standpoint, the amount of money he brings in from Japan and the sponsorship, I think it's insane to even think about trading him. But now that the trial balloons have been thrown out there before the deadline, do you think it's going to be a wild offseason for the Angels? Well, I mean, I, definitely not involved in Shohei Otani, that's for sure. He's going to be a big part of this team going next year. And I think that you're going to see them doing some things, maybe even more so than we've seen in the past, where they're going to try to do whatever it takes to get this team at a competitive team and win in, uh, you know, into the postseason. You know, the last two drafts, 
been really good. They you know, two years ago, all all pitchers, and, and a number of those pitchers we already saw one. You guys saw him up here already with Silseth. There's a, there's some great arms there, and then this draft it has had. There's some upside on a lot of players. So I think the foundation, especially in the lower levels of the minor leagues, is finally where it was when you mentioned the, you know, the Joe Madden and Mike Sosha's time. And that means, you know, to be competitive, you're going to have to maybe, you know, you got to go free agent route. And that's what I think they're going to do more so than any other trades and things like that. You know, when I heard about Trout's back, I mean, I mean, Trout's killed us, obviously. And, and we know what a special player he is. He's you know, trending to be an all-time great. If it, if it ended right now, he's a Hall of Famer, but an all-time great. You played with an all-time great in George Brett, and one of the reasons why George was an all-time great is because he lasted a long time. Even in those the last years of playing first base or DH, he had the big knee brace on. When he got number 3,000, was at the Big A where he yep. grew up in Orange County, but he always still played. Are you worried about this back? Are you worried about the, the issue potentially long-term for Trout? Well, first going back to George, he won batting titles in three different yeah, decades, which is, yeah. is, which is incredible when you think about that. And nobody had ever done that before. And then you look at Mike Trout, where he was trending. And remember when he first came up, we were talking about Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Willie Mays, Ricky Henderson, all those comparisons. And then, you know, it just kept that, that course going forward. You know, last year was out for that long period of time. For what, May 17th, the rest of the season when his calf injury this thing now with a back slash rib cage area, uh, I you know just talking to him when all that came out, he he was like he was shocked at all you know everyone's just worried that his career was going to be on the decline. He's he's almost getting close to playing again real soon. So I'm not overly concerned with that. Just keeping him on the field, just just so we can go back and then we can have these conversations down the road, Chris, and say, wow, we got to watch one of the all-time great players. Yes, he's on that you know path right now already for the Hall of Fame, but. I like when you get to the point where you, when you talk about longevity and go, wow, this, this player was one of the most incredible we've ever seen. Yeah, you never want to be robbed of greatness because this is our time covering it, and he's, he's done more against us than basically anybody else, so we have seen it firsthand. And knowing that, you know, got to see Barry Bonds turn into Super Barry in San Francisco, a lot of people have thoughts about that, but we saw it, and he did it. I mean, to watch people do stuff that's once-in-a-lifetime. He's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime player. I don't want to be robbed of seeing that. He's too good. Yeah, I mean, and he's still – I mean, he was running very well. To, I mean, even though he only had one stolen base, one stolen base attempt, he was playing his best center field. When you look at defensive metrics, he's had, you know, in the last five years. So, everything was trending in the right direction. Yeah, he had that one of those couple odd stretches where he was like 0 for 26 this season, which was really odd for him. But uh, you, you rebounded and had a, a series up in, in Seattle where he hit five home runs, four game-winning home runs, which nobody had ever done in the history of the game. By the way, how many times we say that during the course of the season? The first time in the history of the game, first time in the history of the game. So many things have happened. But you, you, you just feel that Trout is going to be in that. Anytime somebody says he can't, he can't do anything, whether somebody said he couldn't hit a high fastball and then all of a sudden he's crushing out of the ballpark, or his defense and center fielder is going down and he turns around and does these things. So I think he's going to be more motivated coming back, which will be real soon, to put up those numbers and hopefully trend that way for the next six, seven years. Speaking of numbers in our division, I just every single time Verlander takes the mound, it's just like, wow. I mean, 39 years old, he's back to hit 99, 97. He's having one of the best years, average velocity going back to his heyday in Detroit whether pitching against you guys or us or you get to see it the highlights 
When you hear and you see the numbers at 39 years old, what do you think? There, there's two pitchers that I stop and watch and hope that they stay healthy and continue to do it would be Verlander and Clayton Kershaw, the two guys that I just love. They're warriors. But Verlander is, you know, I, I'm marveled at him because he's got a lot of mileage on his arm. I mean, he's got a lot of strikeouts, a lot of innings, MVP, Cy Young's, very, very competitive. And to see him, you know, be shut down for almost two years and then do what he's doing this season – I went up to him the other day. We were in Houston, and last time in, I just went over and, you know, because I know Ben Verlander. We were always joking yeah. around about Shohei Otani. So I went up there and said, uh, you know, Justin, I just want to say um, you're my favorite pitcher. And he just started laughing. He goes, oh, you were a pretty good pitcher. No, 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 no. <laughs> so you're the man. You're the man. I just wanted to shake your head. I, didn't, I wasn't looking for anything back from what you would say about me. I was like, wow, I just love watching you. You, were, you, see you, how you strong were pretty he is. good, by the way. No, but You, you know, were was, pretty good. Uh, he was he's incredible what he's doing. I mean, I think because of what he's doing, I still think they're the favorite in the game to win it all because of him. I mean, their team is really deep, the Astros, and they made some pretty decent moves at the deadline. The Yankees have been great, and the Dodgers have been incredible. And the Mets now with the ground throwing 102 miles an hour himself. But Verlander, I think, is a huge difference maker. And when you get in those series, whether it's a three-game beginning or a five-game series, and you get work your way to seven games in the World Series, he's a huge difference maker. How about this? If the Yankees lose again... And they lose tonight. It's Seattle, right? They're up in Seattle. Yeah, they're in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. If they lose again tonight, they'll be tied with the Astros for the best record in the American League. They were blowing it out. They yeah. were on pace to win 118 games. They've come back, and as you said, the Astros. You, you, you try to explain to people the Astros can beat you any which way. Those international signings have been so key for them. They've done well in the draft. I don't want to hear about the tank anymore. They're not built on the tank anymore. Mm -hmm. Just talk about when you look at the Astros, just a complete team, and they're the type of fighter that can beat you in any type of fight. I mean, Kyle Tucker is one of the best players in the game, and nobody really talks a lot about it. He's a fantastic outfit, a great arm, runs well, good power, hits for an average. They're doing a lot of this without Michael Brantley. He's not even in yeah. there. I mean, Altuve's doing, still doing his thing. I mean, there's so many good pieces for them. Pena, I mean, they got so many good players on the team. Christian Vasquez, I thought, was a great pickup by them. You know, Martin Maldonado, yes, he's a great defender, but there's some outs in his bat. You know, Christian can hit the ball pretty well, so they got some depth now in their, in their catching position. Goriel's a doubles machine. Every body they put out there, and I haven't even got to Alvarez yet, who's one of the great hitters. I always joke around when I see him, I go, with his number 44, I think of the size and the power, and the, and, and you can see the intimidation factor. If you're an infielder, it's almost like Willie McCovey. Yeah. Like, Stretch. Yeah, so he, I mean, it was any ball you hit as an infielder, or even an outfielder, you're going, oh, please don't go my way. Because <laughs> I'm not catching this and thing. And they're it's, all yeah. young. Yep, yep. And you think, you lose Carlos Correa, you lose George, George Springer, you think, okay, everyone in our division here thinks, okay, their window's closing, but it continues to open up. And Dusty Baker deserves a lot of credit because he weathered all that storm and all the stuff coming out with all the, you know, the scandal and everything else. So they're they're a good team, and you know, as much as we all thought we would be knocking on the door with them, and, and the Angels were earlier in the season yeah. when they won two or three down in Houston and were in first place, but. They have that sustainability because they have depth throughout their entire system. All right, we were talking about you the other day. So when I'm not doing this, I'll be hosting the A's pre and post on NBC Sports California. And I was doing it with Dave Stewart, yeah, the Stu. great Dave Stewart, the A's Hall of Famer. And I was telling Stu, because we were talking about a certain pitcher who doesn't go deep in games, 
but has had some post-game press conferences where he's kind of like the man, but he doesn't go deep in games. Obviously, it annoys Stu. <laughs> so I said, I won't want everyone to annoy Stu, by the way. So <laughs> I said, hey, listen, Gooby's told me that back in the day with the Kansas City Royals, if you went out there and threw like five innings and you were strutting around, George Brett, Hal McCrate, those guys would have roasted you for not going deep in games. Definitely. And then you could throw Lee May in there. And Lee May was a gigantic human being, too. They would, you know, I told you that story. They called me Cabana Boy from back in that <laughs> Flamingo kid when I looked like Matt Dillon. He goes, hey, Cabana Boy, get over here. If you're not going seven or eight innings, don't even walk in here. Just go run and hide in your locker. You better be out there because we were playing every day. You go out there every five days. You owe it to us and the team and the fans and organizations to be out there at least seven, eight innings, at the very least, that, that amount, every time out. That, and we and Stu and I were talking about it, and it's talking about, you know, whether you look at the A's teams and really that era, that was especially the Royals, the battles against the Yankees in the 70s that led into the 80s. That was a really old-school, hard-knocks, throwing fists kind of tough team. They were not afraid. I mean, George Brett in an ALCS was throwing fists at Greg Nettles at third base. And they're best friends, too, by the way. And they were best <laughs> friends, yeah. I know I can't say the, the language he said to us when, you know, Saber Hagen, myself, Danny Jackson all made the team in 1984. He basically I don't care if we lose every game as long as we beat the Yankees all the way through. I, I can't bleep that many times, but there was a, a number of bleeps in there. Every game, because there was the hatred for the Royals and the Yankees at that point. And then, you know, then we started having battles with the A's, in, you know, in, in the late 80s and stuff. And that was fun. And you mentioned Stu. I love going up against him because I knew I had to throw nine. I had a 10-inning game here one time. I lost on a fly ball to right field. I think uh, Danny Tartable lost it in the sun later in the day here in a day game. That sun goes right in your eye. I knew I had to go nine innings just, most times just to get a no decision when Stu was on the bump. So uh, he was a great competitor. I love that to watch that because you try to emulate that as a player yourself, as a pitcher especially. Well, I just love those stories because it just shows you the toughness. And that's one of the reasons why you guys won so much. It just wasn't the talent. It was that mentality, that toughness. I'm watching the, the Derek Jeter that we're seeing and Don Mattingly talking about 1995 where he knew it was last year and he was like preaching to these guys, we have to win every day. Yep. There is no – losing's not an option. We have to win. And they did. There's just something about that mentality that sometimes teams lose. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you always hear the adage, you're going to win 60, you're going to lose 60. It's what you do in those other 42 games. And I'm like, I'm not satisfied thinking I have to, we have to lose 60 games. I, I, every day we came to the ballpark, we expected to win. Did we win every day? No. But you never went in there thinking, okay, you know what, just to try to win a series, two games, you know, two games and one. No. You're winning all three or a four-game series. You want to win every inning in every game, every time you go out there because, you know, that's what you – where I grew up in Philly, that's what we always did, playing stickball and stuff. I tried to win everything. And, and when I hear George Brett and Hal McRae, some of the fiercest competitors I've ever been around, and don't get me going when, you know, <laughs> when you bring Bo in that equation oh, too. Oh, so, Bo Jackson. So you get these guys that every one of them literally want to win and, and want to beat you bad every game, every game, every game. So if you didn't see Flamingo Kid – Go watch it. It's a classic movie. And, and, and we'll just sit on this, and we always appreciate your time. The fact that they called you Cabana yeah. Boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like forever, too. And you're from Philly. Yeah. <laughs> right next to New Jersey. Yeah, so, I mean, that was so funny. It was so great how they got that. But, it, like, he made his point, and they didn't laugh. 
They weren't laughing either. They said, if you're not going seven or eight innings, go right to your locker and look right into your locker and don't look back at us. I'm like, okay. I said, then I'm thinking, you know what? I'd rather take on Dick Hauser than you guys. So if he ever comes out to the mound, I'm going to make sure I'm going to voice my displeasure for that. Well, it's always an honor to have you on this program. Over the years, you've been so good to us, and we always tune in. Your guys' broadcast is second to none. We're always watching. So thank you for the time. I always appreciate it. You know, even though both these teams are struggling, it's always fun when these two teams get together. It's always a close game. It's always two or one run you know, victories one way or the other way. It's always a battle. There's a, there's only one way to go. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's only one that way is to so go true. That's like going to Vegas. Okay, I'm going to play the red or, or, or the black on the roulette. One of them is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good call tonight. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it, my friend. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. We on? I'm yelling at Griff, the intern. We're we're live, as Bill O'Reilly said that one infamous time. We'll do it live. You think Griff helps out get us lunches as we're down here in the sun? Um, no. You think he helps? Think he, anything for us? By the way, we did have Griff, the great Syracuse Orangeman. <laughs> we call it Orangeman, right? Still? Um, all that talk about Otani being the MVP. You know what the reality is, folks? If we want to go into war, do you realize that Aaron Judge's war is higher than Shohei Otani's war, and that counts offense and pitching. That Aaron Judge, according to war, still don't know how it's calculated. No one knows what the actual – is there anybody who actually knows the algorithm, frontwards and backwards? Could anybody say – could anybody go up – I guess it would have to be a really large chalkboard – and write it out for us and explain – what exactly it is? Is it does that does that human being exist? Well, no, because we see that war is different for pitchers and hitters. Well, but but somebody had to create it. Can someone write it? Uh, maybe maybe Bill James might have the answer to this. Could he do it? Like, wow! But the whole point is when we ask David Force, he'll be over soon. We were told he's a smart guy that Shohei Otani, no question, is the MVP. No question. You can't even. Basically, we are told that we're idiots if we question whether Shohei Otani is the MVP. And his war, his value as a hitter and a pitcher still is below Aaron Judge as just a hitter. And I have never rooted for the Yankees, never will. For the first time, though, as I've mentioned here on A's Cast Live, I am rooting for Aaron Judge to break the record just so Giants fans will have <laughs> to finally, truly address PEDs and Barry Bonds' number 73. But I have great Yankee news. Yankees are in Seattle taking on the Mariners, first of three at T-Mobile Park. 
Yankees have lost 16 of 25. They have also lost 12 of 20. Aaron Judge still has 13 home runs and 32 RBIs during that time. He's a good, he's a good player. Uh, his on base during the last 20 games is 511, and his slugging is 961. But if the Yankees lose tonight, because the Astros, Astros have the day off. There's only four games in the American League tonight, I believe, right? There's two games. Or f- four teams, two games, yeah. So if the Yankees lose tonight, this was a team, I'm just getting this out of the notes, they were on pace for 118 wins, which would break the record of the Mariners who won? 116 in 2001. It would break the record, but now they've dropped to a pace of 104 wins, still spectacular. But they've lost five in a row, and if they lose tonight, they're now in a dead heat. What was the talk? The talk was, hey, listen, you want to get home field advantage. Now that we're truly getting into a tournament-style postseason, you want home field advantage. Now the home field advantage would be dead even with a loss tonight. Logan Gilbert on the hill against Jamison Tyon uh, up there at T-Mobile Park. Yankees lose. Now, it'll be a a tie against the Astros, long way to go. But the whole talk was Yankees untouchable, Yankees great, Yankees are going to win, Yankees this, Yankees that. Give me a little credit. I was like, eh, let's just see come postseason time. Because in a shortened series, anything can happen. And I was saying that when the Yankees were blowing everybody away. Now the Yankees have been, as we like to say, reeled in a little bit. I believe, if, if, if I remember correctly going back to it, I think the Astros have won five straight versus the Yankees. The Yankees can, the Yankees can beat everyone in baseball but the Astros. Astros went to Yankee Stadium. They split a four-game set. And then out of the break, they played two two makeups. Yeah, they put a doubleheader, and they Astros won both ends of it. They're, so they're four straight. Then they beat. Yeah, him. they're they're a good team. They're really good. No, 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 no. Actually, that is incorrect because it was a four game set in New York. I want to say the Yankees won the last two games of that series. There was a walk off. I know for sure. Let me, Aaron, I'll, I'll, Aaron Judge had two walk offs in that. Let series. Let me look it up. The uh, their whatever it doesn't matter. The the matter is the the, the Mariners. If they win tonight, we're in a dead heat right now, and the Astros hold the tiebreaker for seeding. Kind of important. And the American League East is so highly competitive that it used to be, all right, everybody beat uh, beat the Orioles, and then, yeah. and then everybody hold on. But you look at the Orioles, they've won 14 of their last 18 at home. They've won 21 of their last 29 games. They got a series going tonight against the uh, Blue Jays that they're leading right now, three to one. And Adley Rushman, have you seen his numbers the last 17 games? I know he was starting to come around, but I haven't followed too closely what his numbers are right now. But he was—I know he was starting to come around after the rough start to his career. You could have just said no. What are they? Because I have. Yeah. Them. No, what are they? Uh. 389. That's pretty good. 1,121 OPS, 12 runs scored in his last 17 games. And you know the one thing? He was a 1-1 for a reason. You want to know what he does that's very impressive beyond just, you know, certain numbers that are easy to look at, something that we kind of forget. But it's it's a skill that is such a great skill to have. Uh, Handling the pitching staff? 
That would be on the defensive side of the Base ball. running. Doesn't strike out. Uh, Doesn't strike out. He's a typical Oregon State hitter. A lot of Oregon State hitters don't strike out. He has struck out just eight times in 72 plate appearances uh, during this span of 17 games. Just a, That's just a 11.1K percentage. That is very impressive. Oh, yeah, then you throw on the fact of how he handles the catching situation for the Orioles. But, man, not only swings it, makes contact, and this is this is a lot of fun that you really look at the one team, and it's probably the biggest shocker in baseball, that you look at the one team, if we're looking at the American League East, of course the Yankees, of course the Rays. You think about the Blue Jays. You wouldn't think the Orioles, the team that's fallen by the wayside, that's really kind of tough to think about and figure out what the hell they're trying to do, that'd be the Boston Red Sox. Hembo, our good friend Paul Hembikides from ESPN, had a tweet, and I told you about it before we came down here. The Red Sox are on pace to finish last in their division for the second time in three years. The Yankees since 1913 have finished last in their division slash league twice since 1913. That's unbelievable. It was 1966 where we looked, went back and looked at uh, who the best player on the team was then, and then in 1990 when they were really bad. Uh, when, and so t- two times in the Yankees' history since 1913 that they've finished last in their division or league. Red Sox are trying to do it for the second time in three years. NBC's a little worried about my hit. You made- so if you, you follow A's fans, uh, NBC – California A's pregame live, postgame live. I do a hit every single game. I really threw him a loop today because Justin Bieber wore an A's hat doing something on a boat on Instagram. I do not follow Justin Bieber on Instagram. I'm not his target audience. (laughs) Um, But they wanted me to comment on it, so I made a joke out of it. And... So what, I start my hit by looking away and looking at Ray and Ray, who's off to the right right here. Ray, come into the picture. People can see you. There he is. So I, I start the hit like I'm looking away, and then I start it, and they're like, Are you, did you mean to look away? Like, we're in the entertainment business, but for some reason people in baseball don't understand that we're also here to not just regurgitate analytics, data, percentages, personality still does play. And if you are going to watch A's pregame live tonight and you do see my hit, I ripped the fact that they asked me about Justin Bieber wearing an A's hat on a boat that I still have not seen. Yeah, I saw it was on a flash all over Twitter last night. I saw a lot of people retweeting it. I'm not a – I don't follow Justin Bieber on social media. You don't follow media. the Biebs? Uh, no, he's not, I'm not his target respect. audience either. I have a lot of respect for the career, though. The career as a kid into an adult. Eh, he's had his issues off, but looks like he's figured that out. Big big, big hockey fan. He's continuing to print money, uh, and yeah. he's, he's continuing doing... to be successful. So I'm not hating on the Biebs. I just use the Biebs and humor for my hit. They're having a hard time realizing that there is entertainment when it comes to what we're doing here it can't just all be ops plus eras plus uh and weighted runs created plus i mean let's 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 be real here you did talk about cole Irvin's record at home and how good he is i mean so there's your stats in the uh, there, there was some substance mark to this Ubizaw, mark ubazaw 
Oh, excuse me. It is it's being Griff, the intern. It's Bieber. Hold your phone up. Here, give me your phone. We are now seeing it officially. Put your phone up here so people can see it. Can they see that? Uh, I can't see. I have sunglasses on. Uh, yeah, I can see it now. Yes. It's Bieber is wearing the hat backwards. Yeah, backwards ace cap. You know, for years, A's hats, whether because of all the Oakland rappers, hip-hop artists, have worn athletics gear or Raiders gear. Obviously, back in the day, a lot of L.A. Raider gear back in the hip-hop scene and L.A. Kings. But Those hats are so fresh now. The fact that A stuff shows up does not, does not shock me. Green and gold has always been very popular. There's this football team that's been pretty good over the years. Uh, they play in Wisconsin. You might have heard of them. They're called the Green Bay Packers. They, they, they have a good quarterback to play to Cal. Cheeseheads, they've won a few uh, NFL titles and Super Bowls, they too. A, uh, one of their coaches was the uh, trophy was named after him. So uh, green and gold has been very popular. So I'm not shocked that the Beebs would put on a A's hat and rock an A's hat on Instagram. I don't know if it's going to change our lineup and everybody will stop hitting 218 and 180 and 185. We do have a 250 two- hitter, though. Stop it. Murph's at 251. Big Murph. Got to give it to Big. Right now, Big Murph leads AL catchers in RBIs 39, hits 77, third in home runs. Offense, last 21 games. Yes, I can break away from Biebs and give you your traditional stats just to satisfy you. Uh, last 21 games, even though I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I am going to ask today, David Forrest, why are we pushing back our best pitcher to not pitch against the Giants? Like, kind of in a year like this, if there's like two games we really want to win, isn't it the game against those guys? Because we can't stand those guys. Like, we literally cannot stand their fan base. It is one of the – it'd be one thing if – Pack Bell, SBC, AT&T, Oracle Park had been there forever, but it hasn't. And what that fan base was at, at, at Candlestick to what it is now, to see, to see this front-running generation of Giants fans, if there was anybody you want to beat, it's the Giants. What, what, why, why, why are you not pitching your best guy, Cole Irvin, against the Giants yesterday? The guy that, le- that leads the American League in the yard home. Why? Why? I, I, I don't know. I don't get paid enough money to be make those decisions. Well, I'm asking you why. Give me the answer. Well, I, from what from what we were told after the trade of Frankie and Lou Trevino was they weren't they really didn't need to think about a fifth starter because of the the, the off days. So Cole was slated to start yesterday, and now he's pitching tonight. And I, I, you can't push if he needs to be pushed back. Can't you push him back after the start against the Giants? Yeah. I mean, and you call up Adrian Martinez to make the start, and then you send him back down again. He's already back down the Triple A. Domingo Tapia is back up here. I mean, Dermis Garcia plays on Friday night. He's sent down the yeah. next day. I mean, maybe, I mean maybe, Saturday was it Saturday? Yeah, maybe, yeah maybe, Friday we're off. Yeah, maybe we'll see. We can. I mean, you can ask David. I mean, when are we going to see JP Sears? He's already pitched in the majors this year with the Yankees. He started the NCAs on June twenty eighth. We're going to have David Force coming up here at uh, 5 o'clock, correct? Yes. Let's see my my watch. Yeah, a couple minutes. We have questions. Uh, 
And Denzel Clark, I think, is somebody we need to get into. We talked about him last night with Shooty and Bip at uh, the Hall of Fame dinner. I mean, you know, when you like, like, who are the guys that we as A's fans can really start hanging our hat on? Because we know Melissa Lockhart and Bill Moriarty, they're going to like everybody. They're going to like all the guys. And we respect that. We love how they cover the Meyer Leagues. But I need the nitty-gritty. Like, tell me who, who, who should I get excited about? Like, in the back of my mind, who should I? Because the, the call-ups in September are not the same. Where are the numbers now? You can only call up a few yeah, guys. Yeah, because I think the roster expands to 28 instead of 40 or whatever it goes go <laughs> Instead to of, like, I'll never forget being in Minnesota. I'm with the Raiders. Raiders are taking on the Vikings. And I, and I took Brent Musburger over to the Royals and the uh, Twins game. We're out in left field having a beer. They've got this cool bar at Target Field with all the football was going on, all the college games. It's a Saturday game. And we're watching the Royals. The start of the game's about to happen. The Royals bring out I, – I, it seemed like they had 40 guys for their bullpen. It was September call-ups, and it, it, was, it was amazing the amount of guys – Royals stink. Years over. Twins are good. Twins are going to play. This is probably like 2018. When, uh, when, when did the Bomba squad hit 19. the most home runs? Might have been 19. And it was gross how many relievers were walking out to the bullpen. It was. It was like this has to stop. This is just. This is ridiculous. All right, coming up next, we'll have the GM report. The GM of your Oakland Athletics, David Force, will join us next, right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it's time now for the GM Report with your general manager, David Force, right here on A's Cast Live. By the way, you looked good and a solid speech for Lip going into the A's Hall of Fame yesterday. Thank you. It was a, a huge honor to get to uh introduce keith for uh, for an honor that he you know was well deserved and for maybe literally the best person i've met in 23 years in baseball you know i i said as i had to kind of you know from Act, uh, i had to fill in the blanks as they like to say <laughs> in the broadcast i said you know for keith Lipman, what's you know normally these things we're talking about we're talking about guys who accomplish things from a standpoint of this is how many home runs or RBIs or runs scored or what this is why you're an A's all that. We're honoring a man who his job was to help people live out their dreams, whether it's players, coaches, managers. He was a mentor, he was an ear, he was a manager. But his his duty in this game, it's not about himself. It's always been about helping other people get to where they want to go. And it's not too many times we honor people like that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I said, it was, he's so deserving and there's not enough time 
to talk about the impact that he's had on this organization. I mean, I said yesterday when I introduced him, he, you know, he mentored basically every player, coach, or staff member that has come through this organization in the last 30 years. And he, he'll tell stories about McGuire and Weiss and Steiny, and then all the way up to Chavez and Tejada and, and Josh Reddick. It, all, it spans every generation of player um, and, and never, made, never made an enemy along the way, which is hard to do. Um, and then, you know, and the impact continues. Like you look in our dugout right now, our coaching stash, staff Darren Bush Scott Emerson Eric Martins Marcus Jensen every one of these guys worked underneath lip learned how to be a coach underneath him um, and I can say you know my my first few years here I learned so much from from working with him and then to get the chance to sort of have him as my farm director and and trust his opinions we still he's still the guy I go to when you know when we were doing the manager search this offseason he's still the guy I go to to bounce things off of to sort of talk through things he just just an invaluable asset to this organization in every way and then Steve Vucinich you go from Lip who's 52 years to Steve <laughs> Vucinich who's 54 years with the organization yeah i mean yeah Vuce, it's been like Vucapalooza around here the last yeah. uh, year or so um, with the retirement last year and again you know talk about a guy who's seen it all who's been around everybody um, and who's impacted the organization in a lot of different ways so it was it was nice uh, to have both those guys out here yesterday a great day it was you know it was one of those days where I was happy to just be involved and then I'm, I'm sitting over here on the field between Vita and Stu listening to these guys chatter I'm like what the heck am I doing here uh, it was it was a lot of fun yeah, I, and it takes me to a place I always like to go about this organization. It's loyalty and family. How long so many people have been a part of baseball operations. You know, you think, you know, seeing last night at the dinner, Pam Pitts, you just think of the people that have been here. I mean, yourself, how long you've been here, how long Billy Bean has been here. What is it about the A's that you foster that type of family atmosphere and loyalty and as you mentioned with your coaching staff how long everybody has been with the team yeah that, I, it's hard to say I mean it started for me with Billy um, and wanting you know wanting to be around wanting to work for him with him I know for him it started with Sandy um, and, and I think Pam would tell you the same thing it goes back to Sandy and you know just an environment that you enjoy working in that you feel uh, you feel valued, you feel trusted, um, and hopefully, you know, Billy and I have been able to do that for all those people you mentioned who have stayed for a long time, and, um, you know, we've had success, we've, we've sort of weathered the cycles together and know what to expect, and I think there's a lot to be said for that stability and the continuity. How tough is it to weather the cycles? Because losing sucks. You've mended, you've You've said it a few times here yeah. on the show. It's just that it flat out stinks, and you're all about trying to win. Just for you as the general manager, and you got to take the questions, and people are going to write about you and said, like, what's that like? Well, it's never the same. I mean, this cycles that we're in is, is different than, you know, there were obviously years in 16 and 17 when we struggled. There were years between the AOCS and 06 and the division in 12 that, you know, that we really, you know, we, we didn't play up to what we thought we were capable of. So they're all different. 
you have the experience of knowing that you can come out on the other side. I think that is kind of what drives you every day and say, okay, we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know when players are going to mature and develop and get to where we think they can be. Um, but we know we have the ability to come out on the other side. So it doesn't look, it doesn't make the day to day any easier. Um, and I know no one, you know, no one has enjoyed um, this season and, and these guys are working hard. You know, look, every victory is a little positive you can take out of this year. Um, but we know that we know we have the ability and the people to come out on the other side. And, and we're sort of buoyed by the performance every night in the minor leagues because that is that is what we're waiting for. That's what we're expecting. And when you look at those box scores and read the game reports of the guys in, in Stockton, Lansing, Midland, Vegas, like, you know, there is there is a little tunnel or excuse me a light at the end of that tunnel we're all still shocked i had it in my uh, third inning hit a few days ago denzel clark <laughs> i just couldn't wait back-to-back home runs like that just doesn't happen then it came on twitter it's never happened in pro ball before now if it's happened in a high school or a college yeah. or whatever uh, you were there for one of them how is it possible to two days because there's something quirky that has to always go on yeah Two days in a row? So the first night, the ball hit the ball down the left field corner, and it kind of rattled around and just got past the left fielder. It was kind of what you, you would expect. The second night when I was there, I mean, he smoked a ball out to the 407 sign, um, and the center fielder went after it. And I swear, it didn't get that far away from the center fielder. And, man, Denzel just kept running. He was flying. Um, and he, he just beat the throws. I mean, center fielder went and got it, relayed it into shortstop. He just beat it and ran across the plate standing up. I mean, his his speed is really something. So now that we have gotten through the whole, which I think is really good for baseball, I know it's tough for you guys, but we've gotten through putting baseball on the map in a month where we have no other sports. That's All-Star Game, Home Run Derby, uh, Trading Deadline, Futures Game. Baseball was front yep. and center. Now we don't have the waiver wire process anymore. So this now allows you to go out and see your own play. You're, you're so worried about everybody else's players. <laughs> now you're able to go see your players. Yeah, I got to Lansing for a couple of days last week, which was nice. I actually hadn't been there since they've been our affiliate. So spend some time there. I'm going to get to see the Midland guys play this week. Um, and I'll get out hopefully to Vegas and Stockton again and maybe even down to Arizona to see those kids. So it's, it is a nice time of year to go see our own players, make sure – you know, we have our evaluations in order and, and know what we have going into the offseason. Um, and now also, you know, with the schedule the way it is and the draft, you know, on top of everything else, I'll probably get out and see some of next year's amateurs to get a little bit of head start and help help out Eric and the scouting stuff. So what are some names that you think that you look at maybe next year that for our audience could say, okay, I'm going to start checking those box scores. Who are some guys that you think could be just not the future, but that, that could be in spring next year and co and potentially help here next season? Yeah. Well, there's a couple guys in Vegas, I think who are, you know, who are really close. I mean, certainly the two guys we, we got in the Yankees trade, JP Sears, who's pitching the big leagues and Ken Waldachuk, I think, uh, both guys are, are basically knocking on the door and just waiting for an open spot. Uh, Cal Stevenson, who's gone a little bit under the radar we got for Christian Bethencourt, has been on fire in Vegas. And I think we'll probably get an opportunity soon to see what he can do up here. So there's a couple guys there, you know, in addition to the guys we've already seen who, who may have an impact. Um, after that, the group is in Midland that is 
pretty exciting. I mean, Zach Geloff, Tyler Soderstrom, and Jordan Diaz are lighting up the box score on a regular basis. And I think once you're in double A, it's really easy for us to picture you in the big leagues. It's just, it's just a step away. Um, so those guys are exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing them this week. And then there's a group of pitchers there as well um, with Hogan Harris, who's finally healthy, pitching well. Luis Medina came over in the Yankee trade. JT Ginn is back healthy and pitching. Jeff Criswell's doing a nice job. So there's a group of arms there as well that are making progress and who, you know, to your point, will probably come into spring training next year looking to show the big league staff what they can do. And a philosophy that you guys have had that not every other team, it's kind of the big bone of contention with the CBA was, well, I got this great player, but I'm not going to bring him up because we don't have to pay him. And I, that, you know, that's not been your philosophy. You guys, you guys feel if a guy can play, get him up here and let's go. For sure. I can't think of an example in my time here where we've held someone back for what, whether it's service reasons or, or whatever. If you're ready, you're ready. Let's go. I mean, going all the way back to we put Trevor Cahill and Brett Anderson in the rotation out of spring training when they were 20 years old because they, they earned it. They were ready. So, yeah, any of these guys who, who, who proves it, who does it on the field is ready to be here. I think you know, we'll, we'll get them. I've, I've talked all year about how we're sort of balancing right now the young players and the, the, the veteran guys who can contribute right now and, and help us win games on a nightly basis. Like The scales are tipping a little bit, and we're, we're ready to start seeing some of these young guys. It's, it's, I get this question. I'm sure you get it. you got a lot of catchers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. you got a lot of catchers. You, as of right now, you only play one. I know you can DH somebody, but you're not training these kids to be DHs. Right. So you want them to be catchers. And you got Murph, who's 27, in his prime. What are you going to do with all these catchers? <laughs> well, we're going to DH some of them, and we're going to catch some of them. Um, Anybody play short? Or? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, file it under good problems to have for now. And, and we'll have to figure it out. I mean, Shea's done an outstanding job. I didn't mention him earlier as far as guys who are ready, but obviously you have the year he has. You go out and win the, the MVP of the Futures game. Like, he's ready to go. Like, I hope to see him here, get him some, some ABs, some time behind the plate, um, and see what he can do um, sometime this season. But, but Shea's been outstanding. Tyler's playing some first base. He's going to go back and forth between catching and first base. But reality is this catching's getting really good. So uh, I appreciate that he's worked at that. Um, and then behind all these guys, you've got our first-round pick this year, Daniel Susak, who we absolutely believe is a major league catcher. You don't draft a guy at 19 overall if you don't think he can play the position. Um, these things have a way of sorting themselves out. And he's a big kid. <laughs> he is. He fit in our clubhouse really well when he uh, came He walked here over here, you're like, Man, this guy almost looks like a power forward. <laughs> he is. A, he is a big dude. He comes from an athletic family. You know, big brother was a big league catcher, and uh, he's going to fit in well. So when you start thinking about like, what is the ultimate timeline for you guys? Let's just take the names out because every person's been different. But there is like a timeline for a guy who's picked in the first round, and he is a college guy. Yeah, it's been a little while since we had one of those guys. The last guy we took out of college is, um, I can't remember where he's playing now, somewhere down in Arizona. But um, it's been a while since we had a college guy. I think Daniel is going to play in Stockton the next month. And then, you know, we sent Zach Geloff straight to AA this year. Like, there are, there are examples of guys who move within a year to get on the, the doorstep. And with Daniel's advanced approach, I think, assuming he stays healthy, does well this year, I think, you know, the sky's the limit next year. 
How much right now do you evaluate what you got here? Do you think about for next year? Do you pretty much know what you got here? No, I think the next two months are critical in evaluating what we have here. And, and again, we've got, you know, some of the guys who've come up and down this season, I'm hoping get regular playing time the next two months. And, and hopefully there are more, more guys to bring. Some of the guys I've mentioned, some of the guys who've gone back and forth, we need to get them here and get regular bats. Uh, some pitching that we need to see, and, and we need need to use these last uh, two months or eight weeks, whatever it is, to uh, to figure out what we have going into the offseason. Did you tell Seth Brown he and his wife are going to have to have another baby <laughs> as soon as possible? Because the way this guy's swinging it. I know. It's it, credit to Seth uh, and credit to his wife for taking care of things at home so he can come here and hit homers. But, yeah, he's been he's been on a heater. I don't remember being energized when I had my kids. I remember being tired, and it was hard. I had twins. I don't remember, like, life's great. Whack, hitting home runs. I don't remember your wife letting you go to Chicago three nights after the twins were no born. No chance. <laughs> so, not that it, not that it's not easy, you know, you know, when you have a baby at home that you have to worry about. But Seth's done a great job focusing here, and, and he's been great. Uh, Cole Irvin. Yep. Unbelievable this year, what he's turned out. Why didn't he go yesterday? Against the Giants when I wanted to beat those, you know. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we, we were not prioritizing that trophy that uh, they gave out it's yesterday. It's just, just to rub it in their face, David. <laughs> I know. You know it's how nice. much we hate them. It's nice to beat the you Giants. You don't like them either. It, Come on. It's also nice to make sure we get a, another eight weeks of starts out of Cole and give him the extra day when he deserves it. He's pitched great. we got to take care of these guys and, and make sure we give them the rest they need. I know, I know, I hear you. It's just I can't stand those guys. Um, but Cole, best ERA at home in the American League. Now that Frankie, all the talk with Frankie and everything, good luck to Frankie. And you know what? Also good on Lou. Lou's a good guy. He was mm-hmm. always super nice to us here with A's Cast Live. Good to see him get out to a good start with the Yankees. Yeah. No, I saw him come into that game yesterday against the Cardinals. And, yeah, wish both those guys the best of luck. They were great. You know, I talked to them after the trade was made, and they had, you know, were so appreciative of their time here. I mean, both guys have been in this organization a long time. Um, but, uh, but obviously going to an opportunity to win a ring and wish them the best. And I think of, okay, Cole, you think of Blackburn. And I throw cap in there. I mean, that's a solid three right now. Evaluate, and then you go to spring, you know, knock on wood, whatever. I mean, that's kind of three going right into spring, knowing you got a threesome, you know, you need two more. Right. And we've seen, you know, we've seen really good things, you know, when when our rotation is healthy, you've got those three guys. We've seen Aller make progress. We've seen Logue compete really well. We saw Adrian throw the ball really well yesterday. And I've already mentioned Sears and Waldachuk. I mean, there is these are the things you sort of build towards in a year like this. You you sort of stack these starters, and you know that you know some of them are going to perform better than you think. Some aren't going to perform as well. Some are going to be healthier than others, but. We're building this depth now because I think we have a chance to put together a really good rotation going forward. What's best? We'll end on this. What's best case scenario? How this season ends up? Well, as we've said every every time I've been on here, we still want to win games. I mean, that still is the best outcome at the end of every day because it's it's the most positive. It's the easiest to take things away from. We're still looking to win games. Along with that, the best outcome is we know more about the guys who are going to be here going forward than we do now. That's important. There you go. It's the GM show right here on A's Cast Live. Thank you so much for the time, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Tony.
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, over the years, we've talked a lot about walk-up songs for hitters. But you never really think too much about the songs bullpen guys when they get done and they come out. You know, I think the one, you know, two that, you know, it was Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman, you know, the two guys that are number one and two in all time in saves. It was uh, Inner Sandman with with uh, Mariano Rivera, who, by the way, he's just so low key. It wasn't to me that wasn't great because when he came out, he just he just kind of came out. Hoffman's was pretty crazy. Who's this? Yeah. Number 42. But he didn't come running out. He wasn't like, he just moseyed on out. Threw the cutter, eight pitches, let's go. You got Hoffman's, the Hell's Bells was. Yeah, this was good. He'd come out slow, and it just built. So that was solid, right? Well, we had, do you got? Did you get Balfour's? Uh, yes. Give me one second. Balfour rage. I mean, there, there's, there's been some, right? And all of our right field crew were going nuts. Left field was going nuts. This is good. But uh, I maybe the most famous one from any walk of life. Oh, oh, yeah. This is the best. When Mitch Williams or no, Rick no, no. Vaughn came in. Rick Vaughn from the California Penal League. Wild thing. The, the best is the owner in the middle. I had to bleep it, but it's in here. Uh-huh. Cleveland, baby. And that would be the Indians. <laughs> and then Randy Quaid in, in, in um, Major League Two. Where he's like, wild thing, you make my butt sting. When he's when he's Ricky Vaughn is yeah. now lost it. Oh yeah, that was the best. But wild thing, I think I loathe you. We've got a new one, and this has gone viral. This is in New York. This is City Field, and I think this may be the best of all time because there's no lyrics. There's no lyrics. We're just gonna play it. If you haven't heard this with the New York Mets. (laughs) 
this is great. The trumpet. It's the matador. The matador's coming to kill the bull. Death is here. Can you imagine a packed house and this trumpet's rocking? Can you imagine here, this sound system? You, you know, oh, oh, wait. So that's, I believe it's called Narcos. That's Edwin Diaz's uh, song, Mr. Mrs. Narco, Matt. Narcos from, from, from Netflix, Pablo uh, Escobar. That's, that's actually a very good theme song. Great show. Um, Great show. Mi Mr. and Mrs. Met were playing the trumpet yesterday at City Field. But that's how that, that's the, how into it everyone. The is. trumpet is so powerful as an instrument, and you're blaring it loud, and you're coming out. You're just thinking of the bull ring. You're thinking of the matadors coming to take care of business, and it's over. That might be the best. And postseason wise, Mets in the postseason, New York. It's Queens. It's going off. And Diaz is coming out, blowing people away in the postseason. That could just be incredible. The same way we saw with Mariano Rivera and we saw with Trevor Hoffman. This may be the new one, and it may be the best. I can't even. I'd love, I'd love to be in the stadium in the energy when that trumpet starts going. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, that could be incredible. You mentioned Narcos. Are you thinking of this? Like this. Yeah. Yeah, but there's something else playing with it. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's that's not your you're ruining narcos. Great great show. Uh, let me just Yeah, I remember the 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 last one cuz cuz I I I read the book Killing Pablo and god, who was the author? I had him on one of my shows back in the day we were doing mornings. Yes, there you go. And when the very end when they got Pablo and he's up in that apartment and they can see him and I remember watching Narcos going this is the first season I'm like no 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 this can't be it this is when they kill him this is bad news that be we, we got to keep we're season two season three I've heard there's gonna be multiple seasons but when they see him up in the apartment Los Pepes <laughs> it's over and, and the reality is which they don't want to admit that it was American intelligence, and maybe the reality is American special forces who probably actually made that long, long-range shot that took out actual Pablo Escobar. We would not admit to that. Rumors, rumors. What? I'm done. Yeah. You can't have a show that Scott Emerson, one of the top pitching coaches in the game, one of the top broadcasters. World Series champion and all-star, the, the great Mark Gubazaw, who I can't believe they called him Cabana Boy. That's pretty good. That is really Do you ever see the Flamingo Kid? N no. It's a great movie. You got to watch. It sounds like an 80s movie for sure. It's a total 80s movie. You got to watch. You got to watch that show and then listen to that interview again. And it's not like Gubazaw's a small guy. You know, if you're a teammate popping off to him, it's not like he's a, like. No, he's a he's a large human. He's a big dude. He's well, Mark Gubazaw, uh, for God's sake. You're talking, calling him Cabana Boy? We're talking large as in tall, not large as in large human. Uh, Gubazaw was legit. And then the GM, David Forrest. By the way, can you tell that uh, I can start, you know what, I can start to tell the season's starting to change. Have you noticed that? Normally... June, July, when we do A's Cast Live, the sun is on us the whole time. It's now August, 
That's and all. Hey, have you noticed the shadows are starting to come in more? No more G Kype getting on me about the umbrella on the TV broadcast. Soon we're gonna be like, by the time we hit, we're gonna have to do the show from the grass. By the time <laughs> September hits, we won't be in the sun anymore. Season's starting to change here in the Bay Area. Summer's not as long. For God's sakes, the kids are already back in school. Yeah, my dad doesn't. My dad works at a school in PA. He doesn't go back until the end of the month. <laughs> we used to go back after Labor Day. Yeah. My kids are got my kids are about to go back in school. My wife's class, uh, first grade, they're about they're there. She's going to have her kids on Wednesday. That's insane. What happened with summer vacation? There's some schools I heard in California that kids go to school year round. Oh, year round, it's garbage. It may be good for school, but for us kids, we want to be out hanging out for summertime. Yeah, what, what, what kind of life do you have anyway? Well, we don't need to get on. We don't have a life during summertime anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Yeah, true. That's why I'm going on a three week vacation next month. All right. Even though it was a rough two days against the Giants, let me bring it back with a little positivity. The A's, 9-7 and seven since the All-Star break. Last 28 games, 15-13. and 13. And now we got the Halos for three coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. What are we playing until A's Total Access? Oh, uh, Mark Kotze going into pregame. The Skipper, next. Thank you for listening and watching A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.